0: I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. It's a fine line between having great technical skills and being a great business owner. You start out as a stylist or a therapist, you're passionate about what you do, and you're good at what you do. It's enough to decide to open your own salon. But technical skills can only get you so far because when you're good at serving clients, it often means clients only want you, which leaves you overbooked and overwhelmed. You can't do it all by yourself, so you grow a team. But growth brings so many lessons as a salon CEO, and there's so much you can't prepare for for yourself business is a whole new game that's why i believe in the power of learning from someone who has been there done that two steps ahead of you i want to introduce you to mary harcourt mary has decades of experience in the industry and knows what it takes to run a thriving and growing business she's a former hairstylist turned lash guru who now runs her own manufacturing company for lighting systems for spa and lash salons. Mary and I sat down in this episode to share with you some of the strategies around navigating the ever changing landscape from going from operator, a stylist or therapist, to owning your own business and becoming a true salon CEO. We discuss team, marketing, CEO burnout, and everything else in between. Let's jump right in. Mary, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective podcast. Very pleased to have you here.
1: I'm so happy to be here.
0: Well, let's start off by uh, with a little bit of who are you, Mary? Where are you in the world? What do you do? How did you get to be doing what you're doing?
1: I am all the way over in Austin, Texas, and I started in the beauty industry a long, long time ago, decades ago as a hairstylist and took that whole adventure, like I think many of us do, where you kind of realize that I wasn't meant to do hair. Let me try facials. Let me try waxing. And I ended up with lashes. Lashes for me was the perfect rhythm of a day. Everyone liked to talk, but then they'd fall asleep, which was great. I got to jive out to my own music and it was a creative outlet for me as a creative person. I loved the start and finish of having a client walk in and walk out with a transformation. So that's really the bulk of who I am and what my industry background has been. And then since I have gone on to become an inventor of the Cosmo Glow, which is a light for beauty professionals in the treatment room, and life's kind of taken me in a very exciting, different direction, but here we are.
0: I love that. Tell us a little bit about the business that you run now. What is... A day in the life of Mary looks
1: like? <laughs> Never the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's great. I have an amazing team. We do a stand up every day at 9am kind of going over here's what we're tackling for the day. I switched directions. I went from being in the spa industry and I always describe it as when you have a salon, you control everything. The music that's played, the scent that smelled, how you answer the phone, how you book your clients, your clients' expectations and their treatment style, everything. And I switched into manufacturing and you control nothing. <laughs> and it's a hard lesson, but, you know, we... We launched a product essentially from me being boots in the ground in a treatment room, wondering how there has to be a better lighting solution than the current ones we have. And if no one's going to do it, I'll do it. And so I did and taking that napkin sketch idea, the whole way through manufacturing launching into a company that's about on the verge of being a globally distributed company has been a really exciting ride, but it truly started all in the treatment room. I love
0: that. So I want to explore some of the lessons, uh, both being a stylist and then becoming a business owner and then now being a business owner of a different kind. I feel like a little bit, this is a similar journey to me. I also started as a stylist and then I had uh, my salon. I had a team of 30 and when I sold and now kind of serving the industry, it's a completely different ballgame, but super exciting. So I want to hear like, what are some of the lessons uh, that you've learned and maybe lessons that cross over to both businesses Uh, because there certainly are some universal ones and when I asked you this before I know one of the things that you were like it's got to be about the team don't be afraid to hire don't be afraid of team so tell me a little bit about that and what your experience has been and like what is what is the message here for our owners uh, listening
1: well I think it's something you go into these these uh industries as a skill provider, right? As a service provider, but it's because you're good at a skill and you really are passionate about it and you're really enjoying it. And you're finding whether it's hair or lashes or skincare or whatever it might be, might be tattooing. There's a reason you're doing it. It's because you're so passionate and you love what you do. And it's really rewarding and fulfilling. And there's a very thin line between being really good at what you do and being a great business owner. And I think a lot of people think skill will get you there alone. And that's simply not true is skill can get you on the way started, but it will not take you the whole way through. There's a lot of lessons to learn. And along that way, one of the most important lessons to learn is you're only one person and you can only do so much. And if you truly are a gifted stylist or tattooist or anything, you're going to fill up your books are going to be completely full. And you're going to have this amazing business and you're going to run yourself ragged because everyone wants time with you. And usually you're a caring person that you want to give the service to them, even if it's at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, or you come in on a Saturday. And I think understanding how to have a staff, it's something a lot of people don't really acknowledge because they're so happy just to work by themselves. But what it really allows you to do is be a better service provider because they're, you can take the clients that you want. You can take your favorites. You can take your most loyal, however you want to break it down. Maybe you take the new ones. Who knows? But when you allow a staff and you can grow them and you can train them, and also they have different skills and different um, areas of expertise than you will, and you guys work together as a team, now you're running a whole business instead of you being employed for yourself, you're running a, a business. And when you run a business, you're you're allowed to leave. We're trying to be a solopreneur around holidays and tell me that you're going to go take a month off. It just isn't reality. But when you have a business and you have multiple people working underneath you, you can structure it that you're allowed to leave for the holidays, that you have time to go enjoy your Saturday and Sundays, that you can go happy hour with your girlfriend or meet up with someone for lunch. It's now allowed and it's almost expected to a certain point. So I think the lesson is as much as you're confident in yourself and you do a great job as a stylist, it's it's not. A bad thing to add in a staff and allow them to build the business for you
0: yeah yeah I love that and I and I do agree one of the things I'm fully aware of if you're going to do that is knowing your numbers like if we're going to be able to afford to pay people and for people to do the work um knowing uh, what I see often, especially for solo operators, is we don't really need to keep an eye on the numbers. Even one team member, we can get away with kind of just winging it a little bit. But at some point, that changes. Otherwise, it can go south pretty quickly. I, ob- I observe often about the two or three team members, and it's suddenly it's like, oh, what worked didn't doesn't work anymore. So talk to me about from your perspective, what are the most important numbers we need to be tracking? Yeah.
1: I think all the numbers to your point, when you are a solopreneur or you have one or two staff members, your main goal is just bring in more than it goes out. As long as we're bringing <laughs> in more than we're spending, we're making money and then we're good. But that, that does all change. And what you really have to break it down is I always tell people like, take all of your numbers, everything you spend money on and put it in an Excel sheet or spreadsheet, or honestly just write it on a notepad, but count everything. How much do you spend on supplies a week? How much do you spend on a month? How much do you spend on getting your taxes done? How much do you spend on back bar supplies? How much do you spend on advertising and running ads? What does it cost you to have everything in your salon? What is your water, electricity, Wi-Fi, the the security cameras? Put all of these bills so that you can break it down into a daily Number And now you know how much it costs you, whether you're taking clients in or not. And so that's a very interesting number because a lot of people only will rely on the money they're bringing in on the days that they're working. But your bills don't care if you're working or not. The bills are the same. So always understand how much it costs per day that then you can start adding in hey, at this time, we break even. If I add in one more staff member, all of that's profit. If I work one more day, it's all profit. But understand how much it costs you every day to be there and then how much it costs you every day to be active and open because now you will have supplies being used and you will have employees that require a paycheck, as they should, um, and you might need to market to get people through your door. So just understand all of those numbers, all the numbers that won't change, are your, your monthly numbers of the bills that keep coming, whether you're open or not. And then how much does it cost you when you are open? And that really allows you to make sure that your bases are covered flat across the board for the entire year and you know your break-even point. And it helps you understand if you should add more staff or maybe market better to the ones you have. Maybe your books need to be more filled as opposed to hiring more people. Maybe it's let's get everyone's books as full as they can. So it just gives you a really good insight to where your business is.
0: What I love about uh, that, Mary, is the simplicity of there's two numbers you need to know. What does it cost whether you're open or not? And what does it cost when you are open? Because they're different numbers. One is fixed, one is fluctuating. And then boiling it down to a daily number, like you can't keep it more simple than that. And uh, now you've got the, your eye on the ball and you know whether or not you can spend more or whether you need to market more.
1: Absolutely. I mean, your biggest one is probably your rent, right? Your rent doesn't care if you're open or not. it's it's a steady number, (laughs) but let's say you want to cut your schedule back. And instead of working six days a week or being open six days a week, you want to do four days a week. Well, those two operating numbers are different at that point because that base number doesn't change, but the amount you need to bring in on the days you're open will vary between four days and six days. So it really allows you to be the pilot in your own business and navigating what decisions you need to make to make sure that you are as profitable as you want to be.
0: So to your point, you mentioned like we can either uh, put, you know, know that we can afford to spend more or we need to cut our expenses back or we need to do more marketing to bring in more clients or to get the existing clients to come back a little bit more. So to your point of marketing, uh, what are the most – because often operators don't have a lot of time to do the thing. So we have to narrow down – of the available time that I have which is typically not very much. What are the most important things to do? So if we're thinking about marketing, what are the most important things to think about?
1: The first one that ever comes to everyone's mind obviously is social media. Use that as a tool. It shouldn't rule your life. You shouldn't feel like you're a slave to it but use it as a tool. Email for amazing collecting um, people's emails. These are incredibly powerful because People may live two blocks away from you and maybe they came to a grand opening party you had, but they really have never visited since. And they get that email on the same day that they're looking at their skin going, oh God, the holidays are coming up. I just feel like I need a really good facial. And an email comes in, hey, here's this special we're doing, or have we mentioned our uh, specialty facial that we do? We also have this line of products. All of this stuff comes to mind and that client goes, oh wow, okay. Okay. I've been walking by them for two years, but I'm going to book an appointment. So you never know where that email blast will land, but the return on investment is usually pretty strong. And it's always a good idea to book those appointments. And the other thing is never stop marketing. People, sometimes I feel like they get to a point in their careers where, okay, books are closed. I'm not accepting new clients. And I often kind of sit back and scratch my head. There's two ways to look at that. You're on cruise control. You figured out what worked for you and good for you. The other one is what happens when it stops working. It might be that you're fully booked now, but people move. People stop getting services done. Their paychecks can be changed all of a sudden. People have babies and their their time is much more limited. They might have multiple children that just started school again. So it's almost like putting all your bags all your eggs in one basket when you say books are closed, not accepting a new client. Because a client might look at that page and go, oh gosh, this is adorable. This is a cool place. She carries the skincare product I like. I really want to visit her. I'll book an appointment. Oh, not accepting new clients. Okay. And then you're written off. And usually it's pretty much you're written off forever because they've already decided that you're not an option anymore. We're saying, please pre-book. I fill up in advance at my lash salon. There was a six-month waiting list. I I would book out six months at a time with people saying, can I please get in? That's very different than saying, I'm not expecting, I'm not accepting new clients because everyone has a late minute cancellation. I'm not going to be able to make my full set tomorrow. So sorry for the short notice that this came up. You know what? That's not a problem. I'm going to call somebody and say, my books just open up. Can you make tomorrow at two o'clock? I can. Awesome. I will see you there. And it allows you to make sure you never have gaps in your schedule. And when it comes to money, you really don't want gaps in your schedule. You want your your books to be as full as possible and keep a waiting list. Keep people in the loop. Let them know, hey, I'm currently am so full. I'm not taking new clients. But as soon as I can, I'll reach out to you. And if you have a staff, this is where your staff comes in. I'm not currently accepting new clients, but I've trained someone who is, and they're amazing. They're awesome. I highly recommend you book an appointment with her. And if you love her, stay with her. If not, as soon as I have an opening, I'll transfer you to me. And you know what happens? They don't ever transfer back over. By the time that happens, they've already invested in the person that you recommended. And now you just built that whole extra leg of income under your business by having a staff and filling her books or him.
0: I love that. I feel like there's so much gold in there. I want to recap um, because there were some really key uh, takeaways. All right. The first key point here was don't be afraid to hire, actually, leveraging yourself, your time for your future by building a team underneath. Um, And ensure that you know your daily break-even number. When you've got focus on that number, that gives you power, that gives you clarity, it knows when you need to market, which is always, and when you need to cut back, um, that that number gives you power. Um, We talked about email marketing. We all know to do social media. We all do social media mostly, hopefully. Um, But the most powerful one, to your point, Mary, was um, the email blast and making sure we're in front of our audience all of the time because we don't know when that is going to hit the right person at the right time just at that moment. And then the last key tip really was uh, run a wait list. Never be closed, always be open, but there's power and this kind of creates a little bit of FOMO too, right? Um, I want to be part of this, I want to be let in and it means that you've always got a list of people when you have a last minute cancellation to always be full, you're not missing out.
1: Well, and to add to that last part is when you have a wait list and your clients are aware that you are that booked, they rarely will miss an appointment. I mean, it has to be something. An asteroid came down from Earth and I have to miss that appointment. If you're just... daisy about it, they're more likely to be the person that's like, oh, I knew I had that appointment but I was at happy hour and I didn't want to leave. So I just, I missed it. But can you schedule me in this week? My clients got to a point where it was, if you accidentally missed or overslept or anything with an appointment, I physically may not be able to get you in for the next month or two. I'll try my best because I have a relationship with you and I am a workaholic, so I don't mind staying late. But it also was a very stern lesson for them of, hey, you can't just slide back in my schedule. And next time that they would come in, I would always say, I understand things happen. It's cool. Everyone has a life. No problem. Moving forward, I think you should find the best time that works for you. And let's go ahead and book you out for the next six or seven appointments so that you always have a time that works for you and you can plan on always being here so that we don't have to do this again. And it
0: worked. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry. We're going to get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you, listen up. You have a team, you love your team, but you're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have, increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well it's totally possible and I want to help you and I want to help you do it with ease in a classy way no hard and dirty sales tricks here ways to serve your clients make more because everybody wins the team the client and of course you the business owner now if you want to find out more just dm me uh, and let's chat I'll make a plan for you I'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode all right Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, for sure. And I think actually scripting that language and getting really clear with firm, fair, kind, with a heartbeat, but super clear and firm uh, is really important. And if it works, share it with your team. that You want them to be able to do the same. Um, Mary, I know you've got a great quote. I would love it if you would share it with us.
1: I have a great quote from Vivian Green Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's all about learning how to dance in the rain. And I think that applies to so much. First being COVID, we all went through it. We all went through it very differently, but we all went through it. And that was a perfect example of if you waited for the storm to pass you're probably still waiting. If you figured out how to make something of that time, maybe it was a pivot. Maybe it was a regrounding of who's important in your life or what's important of your life, but going through times in life, it's, you're going to have rain. It's going to not be as planned. And you sometimes want to wait for the storm to pass, but I think there's more power in just working with it and learning how to dance in the rain. That's there now.
0: Yeah. I love that. So, so, so much. It's a really, really good one. Um, now, normally I would say, please share with us a book or a quote or a podcast or something. I know you have a podcast, but I, uh, which I would love for you to share with us. But what are your thoughts on books? What, what's your favorite?
1: I don't have a favorite. I am obsessed with books and entrepreneur books mostly because I think there's so much power and value in these books. If you're struggling, maybe it's your first time As a leader, you've never led a team before. There's so many books on people that have done it so well and perfected it. And they write books and it's like giving cliff notes. Here's what you do. And it's vetted and true. And you're taking their entire experience and handing it to you. And it's easy to read pages. So whatever you're going through, whatever your shortcomings are or something you're struggling with, or maybe it's something that you find that really builds you up. When I read this, I get really excited. Maybe you need that little dose of creativity or just understanding how things work. I can't really pin it to a single book. I just always believe in always learning and always growing every day. For sure. I love
0: that. I always have a book next to my bed, uh, something on the go, uh, that I can grab at any given moment. Uh, but I also am a podcast listener. So why don't you share with us, uh, your podcast so we can, uh, we can come off, come along and listen.
1: I'd love that. My podcast is called Ready, Set, Glow, G L O like my brand Cosmo Glow. And you know, it started as a journey. I used to be in the treatment room with people all day. So I was able to get that conversation in my room, moving into a different year where now I'm in an office building and I don't deal with clients every day. I was missing the conversations, but what I learned is through building a brand and taking this pivot, everything that you see has a story behind it. And I want to know what that story is. How did it start? Where did you get the idea? What made you want to do it? What advice do you have for others that want to do the same thing? And it just becomes a really great conversation, which can reach to entrepreneurs, people that have brands, idealists. Most of us are very creative people. So our minds are always thinking about something different and just hearing that we're not that different from the people that have done something really cool. It's nice to hear the backstory of where it all began.
0: Yeah. I love that. Uh, Where can we find it? What's your um, podcast address? Otherwise we'll put it in the show notes of this episode.
1: Yep. It's Ready, Set, Glow. I'm not sure if it has an address, but you can find it at my website, which is maryharcourt.com.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Um, All right. Well, that was my next question. Where can we find you? (laughs) maryharcourt.com is where we'll find you.
1: And on Instagram, I'm always there as well as Mary Harcourt. And if you want to check out my product, it's thecosmoglow.com.
0: Amazing. All right. Hey, I really appreciate this chat today and some good insights some good takeaway tips,
1: easy things to action.
0: Um, It's been great. Thanks, Mary.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.
0: And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me again on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Mary, thank you so much for joining me. Starting your own business and navigating the challenges and unexpected bumps in your journey is something we can't always be prepared for, but I believe setting up systems and processes in your business will prepare you for unexpected roadblocks that inevitably pop up. It prepares you to tackle them when you can't avoid them. I teach salon owners a nine-part process to installing systems and processes that you need to focus and achieve salon mastery, freedom, and profit. If you're keen to find out more, all you need to do is click the Apply Now button in the show notes of this podcast episode. Let's see if salon mastery is the right fit for you. I look forward to connecting with you same time, same place on the podcast. Ciao for now.